just to clarify, I am not Ted Johnson, I am Ted Stevens. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. What a great day this is. In days I still remember my own father, growing up in Tulsa. He's been the Lord many years now, but he influenced my spiritual journey in a very special way. And I miss him every single day. Now, my father's not perfect, but I'm not a perfect father myself. We all make mistakes. But there's one who is perfect, Father. He's in heaven, our Heavenly Father. Today, I'm going to talk about God the Father, God the Son Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. We call that the Trinity, although the word's not found in our Bible, but it describes the three in one, the Godhead. These three do so much for us every day in our lives. Look at the Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1, begin at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are differences, are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the sin of the people of the Old Testament was rejection of God the Father. God chose them his very own people. He blessed them, protected them, provided holy days to worship him. He gave them uh, the priests and prophets and kings to guide them. He gave them the old covenant, the sacrificial system to deal with their sins. He gave them the laws. And part of those laws were the Ten Commandments. One of those laws was, have no other gods before me. But the people of God in the Old Testament rejected God over and over again. He had to punish them. They repented. And once again, soon, they once again rebelled against God and disobeyed him. Now, this is in the New Testament, rejection of God, the Son, Jesus Christ. Born of a virgin girl named Mary. The very perfect life with no sin whatsoever. Took it like we are, but never sinned. He came to show the people God's love and taught about him to God's people. Some believed, but most disbelieved Jesus as Messiah, the Son of God. He was betrayed by his own disciple, tried, convicted, and nailed to a cross in our place to die for your sins and my sins. He was buried and rose the third day. The Bible very clear says in the New Testament, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And so the sin in the New Testament is rejection of God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ. Now the sin today is rejection of God, Holy Spirit. When Christ ascended to heaven to God's right hand, at Pentecost came the Holy Spirit to give birth to the church. He came to live within us as believers in Christ, to empower us through his peace and strength of our lives for Jesus Christ. But more than that, the Holy Spirit convicts the sins, sinners of the sin and draws them to salvation in Jesus Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, nobody can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. You must have the Holy Spirit guide you to salvation today. The three in one, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, these three do so much for us even today in our lives. Look at, first of all, at verse, verse 3. Paul shares four things God the Father does for us even today in our lives. He says, Blessed be the God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. Now, all of us are blessed in our lives in many different ways. Now, if you live in this country, 
you're more blessed than most people in the whole world. God's blessed all of us in our lives. Maybe our health, our families, our homes, our jobs, our possessions, this beautiful building you meet in worship on Sundays. He's blessed all of us in so many ways. But you know, those things I mentioned, you can lose overnight. My own health, I shared in the men's prayer breakfast in May, my testimony, how seven times I was close to death, but God spared my life seven times. My wife reminded, my wife, wife reminded me that of an eighth one I forgot about. And even now I have eternal lung disease, but God is with me even in the midst of that. You understand, those material things and physical things you could lose overnight. They don't last forever. But look also at verse 3 once again. Paul says it blesses us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have spiritual blessings, and that is different. Now, what are those? It's God's love. It's God's peace. It's God's joy. It's eternal life home with him in heaven. Many spiritual blessings gives to us, and those spiritual blessings, you can never, ever lose those spiritual blessings. Why? Because they come from God himself, and they're eternal blessings it gives to all of us. God the Father blesses us spiritually in so many ways in our lives. But Paul goes on to say in verse 4, it is he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. God chose us. Now I was saved at the age of nine. Nine-year-old boy. I, I was very shy in those days. I turned bright red in front of people like this. And there's no way I could ask Christ to be my Savior. I just couldn't bring myself to admit I'm a sinner and need Christ to save me. But finally, I did it. And Christ came to my heart as a nine-year-old boy and changed my life forever. Is it when God chose me? No, Paul says, before God created this world, he chose me to be his. Now, I can't explain that. <laughs> I can't explain how it happens. I have two degrees, and I can't explain how God could choose me before he created this world. I just know he did. But then I must choose him and his son, Jesus, be my Savior. But God loved me enough to choose me to be his very own, as he chose you also, if you will, what, choose him to be your Lord and Savior. Then God choose us to simply think out and live in the filth and sins of this world? Of course not. He saved us to be a, a holy people. This is what it says here also in that same verse. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. We should be holy and blameless before him. You might say, okay, Dr. Ted, how can I be holy and blameless in his sight? We cannot be in our own power. You haven't got the good to be holy and blameless in his sight. But because Christ lives in you, is a born-again believer, he makes us holy and blameless in his sight. We don't do it. He does it for us as he imparts his righteousness to us in our lives. He makes us holy and blameless because he loves us that much. So God the Father... He blesses us with every spiritual blessing, and he chooses us to be holy and blameless in his sight. The third thing he does for us is down in the next verse. <clears throat> he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons to Jesus Christ. God the Father adopts us as his children. He adopts us as sons and daughters. To me, that's a glorious statement. God chooses us to adopt us as his very own children. Now, we have one daughter. Her name is Crystal. She lives down in Oxford. And if I chose to, I could disinherit my daughter 
would inherit any of my estate when we die. Now, I wouldn't do that to my daughter. Now, understand this. I'm a retired pastor. There's not a lot of estate to inherit. I'm a, a poor pastor. But if I wanted to, I could disinherit my daughter from inheriting my estate when I die, my wife dies. But God adopts us. I've been told in some states, if you adopt a child, you can never disinherit that child from inheriting your estate. God the Father says, I adopt you as my very own child. When God adopts you, he will never, ever disinherit you. Once you belong to God, you belong to God for eternity. Nothing can change that fact. God adopts you to be his very own. He'll never, ever turn loose of you. Understand, I don't hang on to God. God hangs on to me. That's where the power is. I've got the power to hang on to God, but God has all power. He hangs on to me as one of an adopted child, and I praise him for that. Now, but why would God want to adopt me or adopt you? Look again, the same verse. Adoption to himself as sons to Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Purpose of his will. God desires to adopt us. He wants to adopt us. If you're not a believer today in Christ, Today, simply pray a prayer. And ask Christ come to your heart and save you, forgive your sins, and you are adopted by God into his family for eternity. For eternity, your child adopted by God into his family. Because God wants to adopt you as one of his very own. So Paul says God the Father chooses us. He blesses us, he chooses us, and he adopts us. The fourth thing is in verse 6. The praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. His glorious grace. I'm so thankful of God's glorious grace. That same grace that saved me. That same grace he gave me a salvation. That same grace keeps me going on every single day. Live my life for him joyfully. He gives us his glorious grace. How? In the one he loved. That's Jesus Christ. Now, what does grace mean? Well, I, I have a simple definition. You may have heard this, but it's G-R-A-C-E, that spells grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's God's riches, his salvation, his love, his, his heavenly home, all those things he does for us. And how we get those things at the expense of Jesus Christ, who on the cross died, we might experience that glorious grace of God. God gives us his glorious grace. There's nothing greater than God's grace. That grace undeserved you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't buy it. He freely gives us his grace in his son, Jesus Christ. That excites me. That God loves me that much. He gives me his glorious grace. So Paul says that God the Father, he blesses us with every spiritual blessing. He chooses us to be his very own. He adopts us as his own child. And he gives us his glorious grace. What about God the son, Jesus Christ? Paul mentions four things about Jesus. Now, this is not a complete list. It's just some things Paul mentions here in this one chapter. What about Jesus Christ? Look at me in uh, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. Redemption. What's that mean? Our closing song a little bit is that word, that song, redeemed. Very appropriate. We have redemption through his blood. What does that mean? The, to redeem means to buy back something. To pay a price to buy something back. 
Now, we're all, as sinners, condemned to a place called hell because of the sin in our lives. But Jesus, being nailed that cross, his blood poured out for us, redeems us, which he pays the price to buy us back for the penalty of those sins in our lives. That's redemption. I grew up in Tulsa. My mother sometimes would say, Ted, here's a dollar bill. Get on a bicycle, ride down to the neighbor's door, and buy me a loaf of bread. Now, in those days, you could buy bread for less than a dollar and get change back. That was the old days. So I got on my bike, go down and get the loaf of bread. Now, I got back home. Mother wanted her bread, not squash. She wanted her change, but she most of all wanted her green stamps. Now, it's also Gun Brothers stamps. Up here, they call something else. The more you spend for something, the more stamps you got with your purchase. And you take those stamps and paste them to the little booklet and save those booklets up. When you got enough booklets, you go down to the Redemption Center and redeem your stamps for merchandise. Our home was furnished a great deal by green stamps in Tulsa. But that's redemption. It's to pay the price to get something back. Jesus paid the price for your sins and my sins. He paid the price through his own blood. So we have redemption through Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on, number two, the same verse. He said, And forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Second thing that Jesus does, he forgives us of our sins. It's a nine-year-old boy. I tried to be the most perfect kid I could be. Now they had those little cowboy shirts, the little string ties. I wore those. I thought, look so cute wearing those things. I tried the best little kid I could be. But I realized finally, I was lost without Jesus Christ. And as a nine-year-old boy in my pastor's office, I prayed a prayer and asked Christ to be my Savior. And he did. But the same Jesus who forgave my sins as a nine-year-old boy will forgive the sins of the oldest person in this room. He'll forgive the sins of the most vile, terrible person in this world if they give the hearts of Jesus Christ. He will forgive all who come to him as their Savior and their Lord. But you must ask him to be your Savior. His forgiveness of sin, it's, it's there for the asking but we must ask him to be our Savior. Because Jesus forgives us. Now, understand what he says right here in the same verse. He says, forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. How rich is the grace of Jesus Christ? It's so rich, you'll save anybody from their sins, if you believe in him. So Paul says, Jesus, God the Son, Jesus, he uh, redeems us and he forgives us of our sins. But look also now in the next verse. In verse 8, which he lavished on us, upon us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which is set forth in Christ. We can know the mystery of his will. We have um, four grandkids. The youngest one is Brendan. He's 15 years old, and he spends quite a bit of time with us in the summertime. We try to keep him entertained and out of trouble. And he's a sweet kid. But what Brendan came over, in fact, before I see him tomorrow in our home, and he came to me and said, I said, Brendan, I want you to do something for me. Well, Poppy, what is it? I said, I'm not going to tell you. You've got to figure it out on your own. But if you don't do it, you're going to be in trouble. Well, Poppy, that's not fair. I said, it doesn't matter. You've got to figure out what I want you to do. If you don't do it, I'm going to be upset with you. Does that make any sense? We treat God the very same way sometimes. 
We make trying to figure out God's will for our lives some deep mystery with unravel. Paul says we can know the mystery of God's will for our lives. It's not a mystery. How you should serve the church, you can know it. How you should minister to your neighbor, you can know it. Where you should live, what you do, you can know it. You can know the mystery of God's will for your life because Christ comes to reveal that mystery to us. The problem is, so often, we don't want to know God's will. Because if you know God's will, then you've got to do God's will. And so we make a game out of it. Oh, I'm struggling, I'm praying, I'm praying. And month after month and year after year, we keep on struggling, trying to find what God's will is for our lives. We make a game out of it like some mystery novel reading. No, we can know God's will for our lives. Whatever it is you're seeking, you can know it if you really want to know it. Because Paul says right here, we can know the mystery of his will. Now, why should we know his will? He says right there, to his purpose, he set forth in Christ. He wants us to know what he wants us to do. There's no excuse for not serving the Lord. He'll let you know, he'll let you know what you're supposed to do if you simply ask him. Now, I admit to you, I struggle with this many times in my life. We've served the Lord in many places, some overseas, many states. And I've struggled sometimes. We lived in Missouri for many, many years. And I love Missouri. But I always told the Lord, Lord, I'll go any place you want me to go except for St. Louis. <laughs> any place but St. Louis. I just, something about St. Louis is so spread out. And I said, Lord, I don't, don't I, any place. Kansas City's okay. Joplin's okay. Any place, I'll go any place you want me to go. But don't send me to St. Louis. Where'd I go? To St. Louis. In that church I went to serve as the minister of missions. And I was able to do work with the entire mission program of the church. And I loved it. I loved St. Louis. And then God called us to Michigan. And we love it here. But you understand, you've got to be willing to do what God's will is for you when he shows you that will. He wants us to know his will for our lives. So Paul says here that God the Son, he, he redeems us, he forgives us, it makes known the mystery of his will. One more thing, verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. You might say, okay, Ted, now what does that mean? Well, back up and look at the words here. For the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. As I read those, verses, those words there, that means to me it's simply this, the second coming of Jesus Christ. When will all things be united in heaven and on earth? When Christ comes again one day. Now, I don't know when it's going to be. I just know it's going to happen one day. The pastor and preached preaching out of the book of Daniel and some of the prophecies and negative revelations next, I think, I heard him say. He talked about prophecies. When the prophecies of this book are fulfilled, when times are right, God the Father will say to his son Jesus, Jesus, it's time now to go back for your church, for those who believe in you. And the time will come where Christ will come again. I don't worry about when it's going to happen. I just know that one day it's going to happen. When? I don't know. But it's going to happen. Jesus is coming again. When he comes back, he's not a baby in a manger. He comes back Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He is returning to Jesus. So Paul says, God the Son, Jesus, 
He redeems us. He forgives us, makes known the mystery of his will. And one day, there's a plan, he says here, a plan. He is going to come again and end it all for his glory. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, both do so much for us. What about God, Holy Spirit? Two things Paul mentions. Verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now what's that mean? Well, as I read this, this is what it means to me. So back in the really, really old days, when they write a letter, they write the letter and then they fold it over and they melt some wax over that letter to seal that envelope. In that wax, they may put a, a ring or some emblem into the wax to leave a seal. And they send that letter to Dick and Brian here. They get my letter. First thing he does is examine the seal. Had the seal been broken or tampered with? If it had not been tampered with, he know the contents of the letter had not been changed at all. So it is. When God says that I bless you, I choose you, I adopt you, I give you my grace, which just says I redeem you, I forgive you, I didn't you know my wisdom or will, and went down come back for you. How can those things are true? The Holy Spirit puts a seal of promise upon those promises of God the Father and God the Son. And no power can break the seal of God's Holy Spirit. When God says he's going to do those things, he says he's going to do those things for us, you know they're true. You can have those things. You have those things right now in your life if you'll claim them. And how you know that? Because God's Holy Spirit seals those things. And that seal cannot be broken by any power, any force. Those things will happen for all of us. The second thing Paul mentions about the Holy Spirit is the next verse. He says, Who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to praise his glory. I like the way the NIV says that. He says, who is a deposit of our inheritance and to acquire it to the praise of his glory. Deposit or guarantee. We moved to Michigan about 20 years ago to live in Clinton Township. I learned something very quickly about Michigan that's different from Missouri. When I drank my can of Dr. Pepper, when I got through with it, I didn't throw the can light away as I did in Missouri. Why? Because I paid 10 cent deposit for that can of Dr. Pepper. And I am cheap. 10 cents is 10 cents. I want my money back. Now, why does the government of Michigan require you to pay 10 cent deposit for cans or bottles of things you buy? Because they know you're like, like me. You want your deposit back. So it is. Paul says the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our future inheritance. What's our inheritance? Heaven. God's joy, his presence, his glory for eternity. The Holy Spirit is a positive, guaranteeing these things that God the Father and God the Son have always said we have, and also our eternal home. That deposit means it's going to happen, folks. The Holy Spirit guarantees it. It makes it a certainty for us. We will have our future home. Now, understand, I'm looking forward to my glory in my time in heaven. I'm getting closer every day to that glory. But till then, I'm called upon to live this life for the glory of Jesus Christ. That means to find ways to serve. I miss some Sundays here because I'm out preaching someplace in some church. 
But I'll tell you though, I'll keep on serving the Lord somehow till I draw my last breath. By lung disease, eventually it will take my breath away. But till then, I'll keep on proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is a seal and also a deposit guaranteeing our future home, our inheritance. Look again at that verse. I love how it says this. Guaranteeing our deposit of our inheritance to acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. One day we will gain access, possession of heaven for eternity. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? If not, before you leave this building today, you can say a simple prayer and ask Christ to come in, forgive your sins, and save you, and change your life for eternity. As a nine-year-old boy, it happened to me. Wherever your age is, you're not too late. It's not too late for you to ask Christ to be your Savior. And didn't experience all these blessings and promises of God the Father and God the Son and God Holy Spirit, what they want to do today in your life. You will never be sorry when you give your heart to Jesus Christ. He is always true to his word and his promises. Will you do it? Let us stand for prayer. Father, I thank you today that you are the perfect Father in heaven. Father, you, just, you show your love to us in so many ways. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for your son Jesus you sent to die in our place on that cross for our sins. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit that comes and today as believers, lives within us as believers to empower us, to guide us. Father, thank you for the promise of eternity because of Jesus. But I pray as we go from this place in a few moments, we'll go in victory because Jesus lives in our hearts and lives and he makes a difference. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing Redeemed. <laughs>